And just a reminder, in the parasha, the last parasha which contains the story of Matan Torah is Mishpatim. Mishpatim, right? Shmot Vaera Bo Bishalach is Yitziat Mitzrayim. Shmot Vaera Bo Bishalach Yitziat Mitzrayim. Yitro Mishpatim Matan Torah. Then Trumat Tzaveh, Trumat Tzaveh are the parashiyot about building the Mishkan. Right, Trumat Tzaveh. <coughs> After Tzaveh comes the parasha that we're learning today of Kitisa. In the parasha of Kitisa is a big, long and rambling kind of parasha. The beginning of the parasha of Kitisa of Kitisa, today's parasha, is about the Kiyor. The Kiyor is the last of the Kalim, of the vessels in the Mishkan that is for some reason not included in the previous parasha. Right? Or the in Truma. And as the parasha of Truma is the parasha of the clay, the Kalim, the different things that they built for the Mishkan like the Aron, the Mizbeach right, the Menorah all of those things all of those things are part of the Mishkan as is the Kiyor the Kiyor which I think in English is was called a label I think oh is it called a label? No. Okay. the English they did this translation of the Bible into English by English people and they used they, the English love to use words that no one else ever heard of so that's what it is but it's not clear why the Kiyor is in the parasha of uh, Mishpat of Kitisa that's the beginning then after the Kiyor you have the story of the Egel Hazahar which of course is a difficult story uh, uh, in some ways very unbelievable but that's the story then at the end of the parasha of Kitisa we read this these psukim that we're now going to read together right so the pasuk starts by and it came to be right it came to pass when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai Right? So Rashi. If you just look at Rashi, we read Moshe, So Rashi tells me a time. When is this parasha? What is this parasha describing? It's describing Moshe Rabbeinu coming down from Har Sinai a second time. And the second time Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai was on Yom HaKippurim. That's what Rashi says. Right, the first time, the first time that that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai, when was it? Shvas Arvet What? Shvas And then he spent forty days in the uh, in the camp, which takes you to Rosh Chodesh Elul. Rosh Chodesh Elul. Right, you have to remember the Hebrew dates. Again, Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Har Sinai. For the first 40 days stay, it was either on Vav Sivan or Zion Sivan. Let's say it was on Vav Sivan. It was like the same day that God gave the Ten Commandments to B'nai Israel through Moshe Rabbeinu. The same day. Moshe Rabbeinu goes up and he stays on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights and he comes down. When does he come down? Shiv- no, with the first time. Shivas Ravitamas. Shivas which eventually became a, fa- yeah, a special kind of fast day connecting to the Churban. Then he stayed in the camp doing whatever he did, purifying, cleaning, arguing, talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? All of that took 40 days from Shivas Tammuz until Rosh Chodesh Elul. Then Moshe Rabbeinu goes up on the mountain, right? The second time, uh, it's differentiated from the first time. The first time Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the mountains, the stones of the Asarita de Brot, which eventually were broken by Moshe Rabbeinu, was supplied 
by a Kaddish Bochum. The second time Moshe Rabbeinu goes up on Har Sinai, Hakadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, "You uh, prepare the stones. I want you to hew the stones. You know, chop them up and take them. And you know that the stones were probably rectangular and not as we usually vision them as having these like a kippah at the top, like a you know. It's not that way. They were probably rectangles." Anyway, Moshe Rabbeinu took stones that he himself prepared up on Har Sinai and HaKadosh Baruch Hu would eventually inscribe them with the Ten Commandments in exchange for the Ten Commandments that had been, that had been broken. So that in some way, in some way, the, the, the commentaries all try to distinguish between Aseret HaDibrot number one and Aseret HaDibrot number two. There was a, something that we could have had Aseret Adibrot number one, which we were not going to get, but we're going to get something instead. That's Aseret Adibrot number two. One of the ways of looking at it is that Aseret Adibrot number one are based on the assumption that our intuition would lead us in the right direction. Intuition, meaning that even things that God did not tell us, we would be like the Avot. The Chazal say that the Avot kept all of the mitzvot in the Torah. And what do they mean? They know just as well as we know that there was no Torah in the world. So how could they keep the Torah? Or maybe they're just promoting fantasy. But if you don't think that, then what Chazal was saying is that mitzvot equals divine will. Equals the way things should be. Because if God... Uh, 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 created the world and all of the features of the world are divine somehow so that if God says to us shake a lulav and Sukkot it's going to be something about shaking a lulav that fits in to the created world so if your intuition about the world you live in is sublime you're going to shake a lulav and Sukkot even if God didn't tell you to shake a lulav and Sukkot you, you, you understand what I'm saying I, mean, I don't know if this is true but because I can't, I can't evaluate it but, but you understand you understand that uh, that Chazal could have said Abraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov they had good intuition about what God wanted it's not that they got a secret note someplace that said that the Torah will say such and such because, because that's the way the world should be the world should be a world of mitzvot because mitzvot is a response to divine will and divine will is what they were able what they were able to intuit right so that the first time the first time he got the Torah but not the Torah not Torah because Torah is, is no is no intuition you just endless explanations, endlessly telling me what to do and how I should do it, and what of this case and what of that case. There was no Torah Shabbat there. This is the Tzim talks about again and again, but the second time the Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai, it was with the Torah Shabbat there. It was like no, don't trust. We don't trust him because when, even though the Torah said, said Lo <coughs> no other gods. No other gods. All the gods are Nochei Hashem Elokei Hashem. They went and they built the Egel Azahav, right? So you could say whatever you say about the Egel Azahav, about the golden calf. You could say it was a major fraction, a little less than a major fraction. It was idolatry? It wasn't idolatry? Whatever you say, it wasn't the right thing to do, right? It wasn't the right thing to do. So that the intuition that B'nai Yisrael applied to their problem, which Chazal said that Moshe Rabbeinu, they perceived that he was late, that he wasn't really they thought he might not come back and what should they do in such a situation all of that doesn't matter L'dati. it doesn't matter, what matters is that they misinterpreted God's will and having misinterpreted God's will at that moment Right? They doomed themselves to a life of eternal Torah Shabbat. <laughs> they doomed themselves to always be having to say, what should I do now? Right? And then looking to some greater authority to tell them what they should do now. Instead of being able to intuit what they're supposed to say now, that ended with the Egel Azahav. It's not that the Egel Azahav was forgotten 
the whole world was changed because of the Egel Azahav, according to this, to this interpretation. So Rashi says, this Fasuk, which comes at the end of the parasha of Kitesa, is a description of Moshe Rabbeinu coming down from Har Sinai a second time. <coughs> that took place at Yom Kippurim. He went up on Har Sinai a second time in Rosh Chodesh Elu. You look at the Shulchanach, the Shulchanach mentions that, that's what we say, Slichot on, on, on Rosh Chodesh Elul. He went up on Rosh Chodesh Elul, came down 40 days later, which could be the 10th day of Tishrei. I mean, there was no Yom Kippurim yet, but that's what everybody calls it. They call it Yom Kippurim, which went. And then immediately, Moshe Abedi started teaching the Torah of the Mishkan. Torah of the Mishkan. It was sort of like Moshe Abedi said, listen, you can't live without the Mishkan. You can't live without the Mishkan. You need, you need the Mishkan. Okay? So, that's the first part. Now listen to this. Moshe lo yada. He didn't know. He himself didn't know. He wasn't aware. Ki karan or panav bedabro ito. Karan or panav. There was a light. Like the word Quran is a difficult word. Kuf Reishnut is a hard word. Quran or Panab means that the light of his face, something, Quran, shone forth. He was, he came down, his whole face was, was shown. Rashi, Quran. You see Rashi? You see the Rashi? They shown Karnayim. Now this is like all those Renaissance painters who paint Moshe Rabbeinu coming down from Har Sinai with the Luchot and those and the light shines forth like um, like horns, horns coming up, horns of light. You know, like if you have these kind of uh, lamps today that they sell, they give you like a very bright light in a particular place, like a flashlight. Not like the old time flashlights where they had a lot of light coming out all over, but you can get these flashlights that are very uh, uh, focused, right? They're focused on a particular... So it looks like, if you look at the side, you see the light going out. Right? You see the light going out. That's Ki Karan Or Pradab, according to Rashi. According to Rashi. Shon Karnayim. Karnayim are horns. Horns. Sha'or Mavik Ubolek Timelkeret. That the light shines forth like a horn. Like a horn, I mean, it's just like you could see the rays of light. I mean, I think that's what it means. So Rashi says two things. He has a question. Why was Moshe Rabbeinu Zocher? Why did he go? What did he do that was so exciting? What did he do that was so good? What did what what happened now? This is only apparently the second time. The second time Moshe Rabbeinu came down for Hashanah, he had these these horns of light, but not the first time. The first time he didn't have horns of light. So if horns of light are good, so Rashi says, "Bas b'mezacha." What was the merit that Moshe Rabbeinu and that God was responding to? Behechan zacha, Moshe lekarnei ha'od. Right, so here. The Rashi is like sneaking something in on us. And that is that the word or equals, in certain cases, the word hod. Hod, and this is going to become important presently. But, but that's what Rashi seems to be saying. How he says, Before he called them karnei or. So that there's a relationship between these two words in Hebrew. Or. And hold, Rabbeinu Amru min ha'ma'ara. So he says, Chazal say, Rashi. There's no reason to doubt what what Chazal say. That was from the the cave. Shenatan Hakadosh Baruch Hu yado al panav. Hakadosh Baruch Hu placed his hand on Moshe Rabbeinu's face. Shneimar, and that's a pasuk in Shmot Lamed Gimel. Shmot Lamed Gimel is after the. Is the story of the Chet Ha'ega. Right? So it's the first time Moshe Rabbeinu was on Har Sinai. The first time Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, Sakoti Kapai, that God will place his. Moshe Rabbeinu said, do you remember? Moshe Rabbeinu said, I want to see God. And God said, No, you can't see my face, but you could see my back. And God came by and placed his hand, so to speak, 
over Moshe Rabbeinu's face. Vizesakoti kapi, right? Shedatana Kodesh Bochu Yado Al Panav. So, so that's the Zacha. Rashi's Mechan Zacha Moshe Lekarnei Ahod. Rabotein Amru Amru May Hamanin Min Hamaara from the cave. Shedatana Kodesh Bochu Yado Al Panav. Okay, we're missing something. There's something missing. But Mezacha. But Mezacha means Moshe Rabbeinu did something. So he asked. But why was he Zoche now and not then? Right? What happened? Okay, the next Pasuk. The next Pasuk, by, uh, uh, sorry, the end of the Pasuk says, V'hinei karan opanava yiru migeshet elav. And they, B'nei Yisrael, were afraid of coming close to him. They saw something. They saw something. Now, B'nei Yisrael, during this whole process of Matan Torah, repeatedly repeatedly in, indicate their fear that they cannot really deal with the event with the experience right after Mata, after the Hitgalut after the Theophany God appeared to B'nai Yisrael Har Sinai so Moshe Rabbeinu says come on let's go and get the Torah and what did B'nai Yisrael say they said no you go get the Torah we'll wait for you and then you'll tell us what what God wants of us. And that's how it was. Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Har Sinai. He received the Torah. B'nai Yisrael stayed behind. And then Moshe Rabbeinu finally, after uh, two attempts, comes down and starts teaching B'nai Yisrael the Torah. So B'nai Yisrael were afraid. B'nai Yisrael were afraid to participate in the full experience of standing before God. They didn't think that they could do it. They didn't think that they had the wherewithal to stand up to that experience, right? That's called fear. There's a fear that we have of things that we don't know about, the things that we don't think... It's like, and that seems natural, inborn. I mean, we learn to fear. Maybe it's a good thing because it keeps us out of danger sometimes. But B'nai Yisrael did not overcome the fear of the experience during Yitzhak Mitzrayim, even though there were a lot of special things that happened in Mitzrayim that didn't affect them, and even though finally the great miracle of Yitzhak, uh, of Kriyat Yamsuf, where B'nai Yisrael participated in, uh, in changing the nature of the world, like they were there, they walked through, they didn't, they were unharmed, unscathed, nevertheless they had fear, and that fear was of the unknown, experience of standing before HaKadosh Baruch or standing with God. They had fear and they wouldn't do it. They just wouldn't do it. So when Moshe Rabbeinu came down when he came down so it wasn't that Moshe Rabbeinu it wasn't so much that Moshe Rabbeinu kind of was separated from the fear that B'nai Yisrael had but he brought that with him with the Karnei Oh. Like what were these kind of they weren't natural, they weren't normal. It was as though Moshe Rabbeinu came up down with God shining out of him, and he came to B'nai Israel. So the response of B'nai Israel was the response of B'nai Israel was They were afraid. They were afraid because they were not prepared. There was nothing that prepared them for that experience of standing with God. Right? They said, no, Moshe Rabbeinu, we want you to give us the Torah. We don't want God to give us the Torah. We know now because of the experience, the short experience that we had, that God could give a Torah. That we know. But we don't want to be there. We want to get the Torah from you, Moshe Rabbeinu. When they saw Moshe Rabbeinu, Karan Opana, and they knew that the light that comes out of the face of Moshe Rabbeinu somehow is a reflection of God, that God is with Moshe Rabbeinu, then the Pasuk says, Vayiru Migeshetei Lav, Pasuk Lamed Aleph, Vayikra Lehem Moshe, Vayashuvu in Lav Aron, Vichol Anasim, Moshe Rabbeinu called them, Aaron and all the princes came back, Vayidah Vayadabem Moshe Lehem, and Moshe Rabbeinu started teaching them, started teaching these, the important people, the important people first, so if you look at the Rashi, Pasuk Lamed Aleph, you see, you see that uh, he spoke to them 
as the agent of, of, of God. The is that this is how it happened. This is how it really how it really happened. And then Pasuk the Labit Bet, and after that, all of Bnei Israel came to Moshe Rabbeinu by Yitzavim. He commanded them, and he spoke to them all of the things that God had told him uh, at Har Sinai. So the pasuk starts, first, first there was Aaron, and then the Siyim, and then Kobane Yisrael. And he spoke to them, each group separately. So Rashi quotes a Gemara. The Gemara said, after he teaches the elders, then he taught Bnei Yisrael. Tana Rabbanan, this is a Tana Idik position. How did Moshe Rabbeinu teach? Moshe Rabbeinu taught what he learned from God. Shanalo Moshe Pirko. So then Aaron came in, Moshe Rabbeinu taught him. It's not like Aaron. Aaron left the Yashablo, the small Moshe, and he sat down to the left of Moshe Rabbeinu. Nichnesu Banav, Shanalehem Moshe Pirkam, Nistal Kuhem, Yeshuel Azal Yemin Moshe Vidamav, small Aaron, Nichnesu Sekeinim, Shanalehem Moshe Pirkam, Nistalek Sekeinim, the Yeshuel Tzadim. So Rashi says, Rashi points out that this pasuk, that these two pasuk, if you look again, pasuk lamed aleph, vayikra lehem Moshe v'yeshuvu elav Aaron. The call on the Siim by the Ben Moshe Alehem. Pasuk Lamed Bet. Ba'achrei Chaimin Shu Kol Bnei Yisrael. Ba'etzavem Kol Shibay Asher Diba Hashem Itov Har Sinai. Okay, so that the Chazal understood that Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah again and again. First he taught it to, first he taught it to Aaron, and then he taught it to Aaron's sons, and then he taught it to the elders, and then he taught it to Bnei Yisrael. So at every time he taught the Torah. All the students were there. So Aaron heard it four times, and this came in three, and his children three times, and came in twice, and the people heard it once each round. They each time they went, went around. They said, that's what the Pasuk, that's what the Pasuk is saying. And when Moshe Rabbeinu finished all of this talking, and those, even though they were afraid, even though by they loved, the people were afraid of Moshe Rabbeinu and the light that was coming out of his face. Nevertheless, they were able to sit quietly and uh, and uh, study Torah with Moshe Rabbeinu, which is why the people only heard the Torah once because they were afraid. They're afraid of coming. So, that, so when everybody else was there, when Aaron was there and his children were there and the Skanim were there, okay, so they pushed themselves in also to learn with Moshe Rabbeinu. But basically, they were afraid. And because they were afraid, Pasuk Lamed Gimel Vayichal Moshe Vayedabel B'nei Yisrael Vayichal Moshe Vayedabel B'nei Yisrael Masveh Masveh you see Rashi right? something that covers my face some kind of uh, translation further further so if you skip two lines of the Rashi Avkan like a ski hat I don't know about eyes in it but it's nothing you cover your face with, like a like an article of clothing. It's not uh, something solid. It's a it's a mazveh. He says keneged haparzufu veitainaim covers your face and your eyes. With his vote karnei hahod shelo yazunu akol bahem ayan notein hamazveh kenegdan 
and because and because he had this light coming out of his face he said uh, he put the masveh this uh, hat according to Rashi this kind of ski hat he would put it on his head because of the kavod that he had for the the akol mehem shelo yezuno akol mehem ayano tenem esvel kenegdam and hotel b'shar sheyavu daberi in Israel. But when he talked to Bnei Israel, the Torah, when he taught them the Torah, he took it off. Or b'sha'asha makom nidbar imo ad seitzon. When God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu the Old Lord, he also took it off. Or b'seitzon yatsa. Below Masveh, so he went into the Old Moed without this cover, without this hat, and he left the Old Moed without this hat. And when he taught Bnei Israel, he also didn't wear this hat. So that again, somehow the experience of standing before the light of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, which created fear in the hearts of the people, was modified when Moshe Rabbeinu taught them Torah. Did I say that again? <laughs> it was when, when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't walk around just without this hat on his face because it inspired fear in the hearts of Bnei Israel. Bnei Israel said, oh, here's God. God is walking in our midst and they were consumed by fear. What was it that mitigated that fear, that modified it, that enabled B'nai Israel to put up with it, so to speak? Well, when Moshe Rabbeinu taught them Torah. So it's sort of like, it's sort of like, when you see Moshe Rabbeinu with the light, with the light shining, so you say, what do you say? Oh my goodness, what does God want from me? I mean, in other words, you know that you have to do something. You're, you're, you're in this, this kind of, you're not in the movie. You're in the real. Right? It's really happening. There's God. I mean, so what can I do that would modify or, or, or mollify God? I mean, I'm the Egel Azahab people. I really messed up. Now, what should I do? What should I do? So when Moshe Rabbeinu takes off the hat and he teaches Torah, the fears are allayed or assuaged or whatever that word is right the fears are modified because now Moshe Rabbeinu is saying well if you do this it'll be good if you do that it'll be good so that the Torah the Talmud Torah is what modified the fear that B'nai Israel had of Moshe Rabbeinu representing the presence of God so the presence of God was unbearable to them but the presence of God teaching Torah was bearable According to Rashi, because because I could I say okay okay you say to the Torah you say oh you want me to do this I'll do that you want to do this and so that every time you you accede to the demand of the or that's in Moshe Rabbeinu you are kind of modifying or mollifying your relationship or you're creating a relationship right whichever way whichever way you like to see it. but that's what that's what Rashi says. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu probably had to wear this hat all the time, except for the time. I mean, we don't have any inkling of that in the continuation, but that's what the, the Nitzif says. Moshe Rabbeinu had to wear the hat all the time, except when he was teaching Torah. So, according to Rashi, the teaching of Torah in which first Aaron, and then his sons, and then this Canaan. So, in other words, there were a lot of people standing with Moshe Rabbeinu already, with the light of Moshe Rabbeinu it made it possible for the people the entire people to join because they didn't they weren't the first they didn't come at first the second thing was that whenever Moshe Rabbeinu had to teach Torah to B'nai Yisrael in this method or the other method he took off the Masveh because by teaching Torah and Torah Torah means mitzvot Right and isurim, right things positive commands and negative commands. That was something that helped them put up with the fear that they had of being in the presence of God and not being able to satisfy being in that presence. Being in that presence, you understand when you go to see a king. Let's you know 
this kind of uh, the silly mishalim, but I'll do it anyway. You're going to see a king, right? You 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 don't want to go. You don't go. You can dress up in the the finest clothes that you have, right? And you and you make believe. You make believe that you are with the king. You know, you know you you bow and you kiss and you stand and you dance. You do whatever you can do because you're that's that's how you express the fear that you have of the situation. That's Yiratam Melech. Right? There's such there's such a, a, a such a thing. What modifies that? What modifies that? The king reaches out to you, right? Always the Purim, right? Today was Purim Katan of Yerushalayim. Was in the past. Purim Katan of Yerushalayim. Nobody knows exactly what that is, which is really terrific. Because it's... Uh, you don't have to work hard to figure out like something to say about it because it's nothing, you don't really have to say anything. But you know that uh, Purim, Purim is a story of kings and becoming a king and power and losing power and gaining power and, and all the disease had to do on Purim with dress. Who's dressed and who's not dressed and who's got the best dress and who's got the, the big day uh, malfut and who doesn't have the big day malfut. So, so the bigadim, as you know, are a uh, you know separate you from the the world on one side and the real you on the other side, right? You know, everybody wears a uniform. Everybody, everybody wears a uniform. Not only yeshiva guys, but even people who go to university. They also wear uniforms. Doctors wear uniforms, and lawyers wear uniforms. Everybody wears a uniform. Everyone wants to say. Don't look at me. Just look at my clothes. You know, don't evaluate really in depth. Don't like penetrate who I am. But just look at my at my clothes. And so the clothes could be fancy, they could be less fancy. It doesn't really matter. But if they're a uniform, meaning you could find other people who wear exactly the same kind of clothes, that the clothes are a kind of a a tris, a mechitza, a separation between the world and who you really are. I mean, nobody is really the uniform that they wear, right? Nobody is really that. But that's all you see is a uniform. So they, so here you have. I don't know how we get the uniforms exactly, but it doesn't matter. Here's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't have a uniform, but he has a masveh, and the masveh prevents Bnei Yisrael from uh, encountering God in a, a, a bad in a bad position. Bad position means they have nothing to say. They have nothing to do. They are the ones who build the Egel Azav. They have no. And they were never really forgiven, as we pointed out. So they were never really forgiven for building the Eigel uh, Azahav. Uh, the pasuk said, "Beyond Pakdi, Upakadati." Every time I come to punish Bnei Yisrael for something that they did wrong, I will punish them a little bit for the Chaita Eigel, so that even though, even though the ultimate punishment was reduced, right? God did not destroy B'nai Israel. God did not destroy uh, uh, the people who built the Egel Azab. Nevertheless, they were not completely, uh, they were not completely forgiven. And that's the pshat. That's the pshat, you know, last in the parasha of Titzavah. Parasha of Titzavah is the only parasha in the Torah in which Moshe Rabbeinu's name does not appear. Right? So the Balaturim says, Balaturim says, you know why? You know why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu said, Mecheni na mesifricha. Moshe Rabbeinu said to Kodesh Baba, if you forgive them, you forgive them. But if you don't forgive them, erase me from the book. So God sort of did forgive them, right? God sort of forgave them. They, they went on and continued existence. But the forgiveness was not complete and therefore there had to be a Mecheni na mesifricha. There had to be some place where Moshe Rabbeinu was erased. So the Balaturim says the place that Moshe Rabbeinu was erased is the parasha of Titzaveh. Right? Remember Titzaveh? Last week was Titzaveh. So it's not so far away. 
Last week was Titzavet. The parish of Titzavet, Moshe Rabbeinu's name does not appear. It's the only parish in the Torah in which Moshe Rabbeinu, from the time he was born, of course. Well, yeah, from the time he was born, the beginning of, beginning of Shemot, until the end of Dvarim, every parasha has the name Moshe Rabbeinu in it, except for the parasha of Titzavet, last week's parasha. The Balaturim said, because Moshe Rabbeinu said, Mecheni he doesn't mean that. It's not because Moshe Rabbeinu said Mecheni Na. It's because it's written in the Torah. It's not that no one ever said anything that didn't come true. It's that no one ever said anything that's written in the Torah that didn't come true. So since it says Mecheni Na, there has to be some, some uh, uh, reflection of that. It has to happen somehow. Because Moshe Rabbeinu demanded it. He said... He says, and God did not forgive B'nai Israel entirely for the Chaita Egel, as it says in the Pasuk, right? God allowed them to live, to exist, to continue, but they're always going to be punished for the Chaita Egel. That's what the Pasuk says again and again. It means they're always going to be punished for the Chaita Egel, since they're always going to be punished for the Chaita Egel. So then, Chaita uh, is in place. So that, that's got to happen. It has to happen. Okay, let's let's uh, so yeah, we have some ideas, right? Right? Look at the, the Rashbam quickly. You see the Rashbam? Tikaran. Karan get the same thing the shown hold. What does hold mean? I don't know. But hold equals or equals Quran. Right? This kind of this idea that hold the word hold, mm-hmm. which is a Hebrew word. Most Hebrew words are very hard to explain. Most words are well hard to explain. And certainly if you, if you like, look up the different meanings of a word, they become even harder to, to explain. When I was a kid, I, I think I told you last night, they told me you pick out the meaning that you think is most suitable to the Pasuk. But what they didn't tell me is that sometimes all the meanings <laughs> are suitable for the Pasuk. And that, that all those different meanings are really often nuances. And, and when it comes to nuances, it's very difficult to choose. So, Rashbam says, Kikaran Lashon Hod, Ukumo Karnayim Miyadolo. And he quotes several other, other sukim that, uh, in which the word Karnayim agree, appear. Basveh, you see the second Rashbam? Rashbam was a grandson of Rashi, right? And he was very much dependent on Rashi. He was in the school of Rashi. He wasn't like some vagabond who just showed up Basveh. Beged hakarui klekein. So Rashi says it was like a hat. And he said it was like a like an article of clothing. Beged. Bavavbo ikar. The vav is part of what you call the shorish. Kimovav shall mikveh. Israel, the gamtaf shall sota ikar. Right. Also, the top in the word sota, which is similar to masveh. Ushnei bal bushim he mishnei gizerot v'chei patar donash v'adilimo. Donash, donash is not just a street nearby. There's a street nearby. You know, donash ben labrat. He's a street, and uh, but he is a dictionary. He, Donash's dictionary, and Rashi apparently had Donash's dictionary on his shelf. I don't know if it's there in Beit HaTfutzot, I don't know, but it should be there if it's not there. Rashi used the Donash Ben Labrat dictionary. If you have this kind, you could probably get it online. Not very big, but it's a very important book, and Rashi uh, used it extensively. Kein Patar Donash, right, that that uh, that he he saw that this is the the root of masveh samach vav hey other is the root and it means an article of clothing what kind of clothing the Rashbam doesn't say but there's no reason to think that he disagreed with Rashi at this point so again you're talking about the kind of a cap that you could put on your face which would keep the which would keep the uh, the light uh, in place they keep the light wherever it, wherever it was. What? Let's turn the page. Turn over the page. You remember there's a story in Bamidbar. We're talking about Joshua bin Nun. Investiture. I never knew what that meant. But that's what's happening. Joshua bin Nun is being given the job of becoming Moshe Rabbeinu. 
Venatata me love. You see that word od? Oh, so now, being clever as we are, what will we say the word hod means? Hodcha, your hod, give it to him. Hod or. Or, what is or? Or is both the presence of God and the understanding of what God wants. Because before Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah to Aaron, his children, etc., he knew the Torah himself, but for. He says, Everybody should listen. So you give him some of your light. Give it to Yoshua Binun. What are you not gonna give him? What do you not give him? You don't give him all the power you have. For example, you can't go he can't go to war. You could, but he can't. Right? He can't. He's got to consult with Aaron Cohen so that the light the light that Moshe Rabbeinu had is not inherited by anybody but is diffused over the different authorities that will come and take charge of, of Bnei Yisrael right? called Bnei Yisrael called like that so they, I call it this Pesach in Habakkuk it doesn't matter it's just the Pesach in which you see Kisa uh, Shemaim Hodo the word Hodo appears and then Pasuk Dalit with Noga In other words, Od and Or are again are again related to each other or, or interchangeable. I mean they're not exactly synonyms because Hod has some other meanings as well, but they sort of go together. Hodcha, Hod is light, etc. Now I want to do this. The first part of the Shemishmur. You see the Shemishmur? Shemishmur Sochachov, right? You remember? Avni Nezer Avni Nezer was his father Egle Tal these are famous these Avni Nezer are Sheilot and Chuvot and, and Egle Tal is a book about the Lama Tet Melachot on Shabbat both very highly regarded in yeshiva circles even though he was a Rebbe I mean the, the Sochachov he was a real he was a real uh, uh, honest to goodness Rebbe with all kinds of other tendencies like a writing a a perusha and chumash, right? That's like a, a non-literature thing to do. So the Rebbe, I, I told you, like the Rebbe had a son who wrote these things down and then had his own own things which he included. It's a very extensive work on on the chumash. It has never been published in a in a in an edition with a lot of footnotes and all of those things. But someday it will be. Listen to this, Kikaran O Moshe. He wants to explain. He wants to explain what Kikaran O Pene Moshe. Near air. Ki bepaam harishona bridito minahar lo karan o Near air. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but it seems to me that the first time Moshe Abedu came down from Har Sinai, he didn't have this light. Coming out of his face, dim lokein, madua loyer uaz begeshet they love. If he did have a light coming out of his face, then the Torah should have said when he came down that Bnei Yisrael had fear and would not approach him, wouldn't come close to him. Dim bemet hayad gam az kirun panav. And if, in fact, that we would say that 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 time when he came down from Har Sinai, his face shone with the, with this light, shuv lo nitchadesh lahem davar umadua nitiaru ata. So then, this is not a new thing that Moshe Rabbeinu. If you will say that Moshe Rabbeinu's face shined when he came down the first time from Har Sinai. So why make an issue of it the second time he came down? They knew they knew that this was was going to happen. He says you have to understand near air. Again, I imagine the Inyan Kirun Opanav that the idea of light coming from the or the skin of his face, who or hachozer, it's reflected light, b'ziv hashchina from the 
uh, from the light, from the shine of of God of Shechina. Kimoshiro in b'mar'e miluteshet or haner haomer haomet negdo. Just as you see in a mirror. I mean, is, is a, a mirror made out of some kind of metal where you shine it up, but we can, we can substitute a regular mirror. So if I'm standing facing a mirror, I'm standing facing a mirror and I have a candle in my hand. So the candle lights up where I am, but it also reflects the light off of the mirror. In other words, you get more. If you have a candle, and again, now the the the, uh, uh, the image is is compelling because we know that Torah is all, and Moshe Rabbeinu was on Har Sinai to get the Torah. So, having received the Torah in Har Sinai, it's as though he's standing with a candle. He's standing with a candle, and he's not only getting the light that's in the room reflected off of the mirror, but he also gets the light of the candle reflected off of the mirror. So he gets the light of the candle twice. That's what the Shemesh was like. He gets more light. He gets more light. So a person who, who is... That's Moshe Rabbeinu. That's Moshe Rabbeinu. He, he's got the regular light. Like, everybody has light. Like, you know, when you see people, you see things, which is something I would like to do someday again. When you see things, it's because those things are reflecting light. Right? You, you, you're the side, there's no light, you don't see anything. That you can all agree. No light, you don't see anything. But there is light. It's not that the light lets you see it. But the light bounces off whatever is in the room and comes back into my eyes. So the light, the light, that's what light is. But if I'm holding a candle, I get more light here while I'm holding the candle, but I also get it. There's a mirror opposite me. I'll get the light of the candle reflected in the mirror. So I get more light. I get more light than I started out with, right? So that is Moshe Rabbeinu. That is Moshe Rabbeinu. He's on Harsinai. He gets the Torah. The Torah is light. So Moshe Rabbeinu is like everybody else. Everybody's light. Everybody has, you know, the light enables you to see them, but suddenly Moshe Rabbeinu had more light. He had the light of the Torah, and therefore, and therefore, Muvan, on the fourth line, or the fifth line, fourth line, Shizeta Lui Belitusha Mare, Emim Luteshit Yoter, Birayoter. This has to do with how you shine up this mirror. If it's more shiny, then you're going to have more light coming out of it. Valken Yeshlomar, Shebamesha Mamacheni Na. So now we see that since Moshe Rabbeinu said Mechaini Na, Mechaini Na means I don't want, I want to die. I don't want to have the light. I'm willing to give up the light. I give up everything. Moshe Rabbeinu said. And therefore, Masar Nafsho, he was willing to give up himself. Right? Avur Klal Yisrael. Avur, Avur, before the course of the day Yisrael. Avur Zatz Moshev. So his body became shiny. It became like he's standing with the candle. I mean, that's, uh, he, he gave up, he, he was willing to give up everything. And because he was willing to give up everything, he ended up shining away. Right? But this did not happen. Because he didn't know. He didn't know uh, what was going on in the Machane. But his, if you think about his essence, the essence of Moshe Rabbeinu was thousands of times more. It's a Kabbalistic book written by a contemporary of the Ramon. And if you go to Krakow, you can see his, his uh, kever as well, the Gala Mukos. So we see it. It all makes sense. What all makes sense according to the How do we say we complete every Shvod Esri? Every Shvod Esri we say, Sim Shalom Tovah Sim Shalom. Guys, this is a non-political position. Sim Shalom. Why Sim Shalom? 
What is shalom of such great interest to us that we finish every Shemona Esrei with this, with this uh, prayer for shalom, for peace, for people getting along? Why? Ki be'orpanecha natata lanu Torah chayim v'avachesed Ki be'orpanecha What's be'orpanecha? The be'orpanecha of HaKadosh Baruch Hu The be'orpanecha of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Natata lanu How did HaKadosh Baruch Hu give it to us be'orpanecha Through Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe Rabbeinu taught us That if you have the Torah If you have the Torah Quran orpanav What did Shem Shmuel say? You just get more reflected light you, you, everything becomes clearer and lighter, right? Clearer and lighter. And since there's content, since there's content to the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching us, it, we don't have the fear. You have the fear, but there's a prerequisite, there's a necessary prerequisite, and that is that uh, Aaron, his children, the Skenim, the people, all sit down together. That's called Shalom. Shalom enables you to take advantage of the Orpah Necha, right? But if there's no Shalom, then Moshe Rabbeinu has to put the Masveh on his face because it just doesn't fit in with the world that we are running, right? We're running a world in... Uh, whatever you say, whatever your position is, you have to admit that you could imagine that things might be a little better than they are, right? They're not as good as we would like them to be. So peace is the great enabler. It's the great enabler that enables us to take advantage of the added light that comes from being in the presence of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching us. It wasn't just that Moshe Rabbeinu was a kind of a cripple with a with a, 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 a tremendous light coming out of his face. You know, he had to do something about it, had to cover it up. But Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching us that if you really accept the Torah, if you really are mikabel et ha-Torah, so to speak, right, then you are graced with added light. It's not the regular light that enables us to, to see, but it's more than that. It's above and beyond the regular light that we are, that we're able to see. So this masveh, this masveh, it seems to me, represents a kind of a teleology. Like, if you accept the Torah, if you accept the Torah, if you do what the Torah says, this is what Moshe Ben is trying to show them, you become a different person because your understanding of things is enhanced, it's changed, it's better, it's, it's something more. It says, you could be like me. You could be like Moshe Rabbeinu. Be like, even though Moshe Rabbeinu himself, as we saw in the parasha of Kitisa, of, yeah, the, this, the parasha of Kitisa, Moshe Rabbeinu could not achieve face-to-face kind of contact with God. But he could get the orphanim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the Torah, and that that option is really something that everybody can accept upon himself if he, if he is willing. So again, Karan or Panav is the result of Moshe Rabbeinu learning Torah. The Shei Mishvul says, it's just like a reflection. It's like the reflection becoming part of you. you holding the candle that is, that is in the mirror. So you become like a mirror. Moshe Rabbeinu is like a mirror. So the reflection of the light that Moshe Rabbeinu is holding affects everybody. And so the fear returns unless you learn the Torah, which will, you know, as we all understand, will be able to reintroduce peace into, into the world. Have a good Shabbos. Mm-hmm.